You know, last week we looked at when troubles come our way in life and how to handle those. We came to some conclusions about that, that there are all types of trouble. There's trouble when lust comes, jealousy, ridicule, loss of possessions, loss of health, loss of a loved one, change, family feuding, peril, bullying, persecution, all sorts of different kinds of troubles that come our way. And every person, we also understood, will exhibit times of trouble in our life. It's the ebb of flow of living in a sin-cursed world. Now there's one main trouble in life that every person born, that if not handled correctly, will cause them to have an empty life and a life eternally spent in hellfire. That's if one does not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. You know, the Bible's full of examples of God's people who handled trouble in the wrong way as well as those who handled trouble in the right way. We particularly looked at the children of Israel as a whole uh, through the plagues, the exodus, the wilderness journey, and how they were poor examples of how to handle trouble. Other bad examples were Eve, how she handled temptation and, and trouble. And when Abel was rebuked for his offering and jealousy came, to his, came his way. But we also observed many Christians who at certain times of great trouble demonstrated great examples of how to face trouble. Noah, by faith, built an ark in the face of of the world's ridicule of him. Job, by faith, never cast blame on his God when things were just horrible in his life. Abraham, who left everything he knew to pursue God. Joseph, whose focus was to serve in all his trouble. Hezekiah, who took all his trouble and laid it out before the Lord. Elijah, who endured great physical and mental strength in his trouble. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who stood faithful in trouble, Daniel, who did not stop his routine when his routine would seem to cause him trouble. Stephen, at his death, would pray for the forgiveness of those who would kill him because of his faith for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, trouble comes our way at times, so what happens in between times of trouble? <laughs> Ecclesiastes says there's a time to get and a time to lose. We have to admit that there's also times of prosperity that comes our way at times. The message today is based on and entitled, When Prosperity Comes Your Way. Let's pray. Father, we all know about trouble and how that comes and how to handle it. And prosperity seems like a wonderful thing when it comes our way, and it can be. But Lord, how, do we, how we should handle prosperity is very important. More important than maybe we think of when we first walked in this door. But I pray, Lord God, by the time we walk out this door, that we will understand that prosperity a little bit better in our lives, Lord God, and how to handle prosperity. Now, Father, I just pray you'd speak to our hearts and our lives today, for we love you, 
We're thankful for all the things that you give to us and let us handle those things correctly. In Jesus' name, amen. Now there's a couple things you might be thinking about concerning prosperity. Um, that this is not something that applies much to me. <laughs> you know, that's be the first thing people in the world. Oh, you don't have to worry about that. I, I don't get that. You know, n- you know, I never win anything, all those kind of things. And what is there to learn about prosperity if it should come our way? I mean, what, it can't be much behind that, can there? Well, first of all, if you're thinking that this message does not apply to you, it is yourself evidence that you need this message the most. For Americans, we are the most privileged people in the world. People all over the world desire to come to our country to live. And I'm going to throw in a little side note here, just something that I've, I've learned through some other people. You know, in our schools, there is people who come from other countries to come to school here. They need people to help them out. Actually, uh, Jay Henline, his, his sister, uh, Jerrica, actually goes to Northern Kentucky University and picks up kids and helps them out and helps them get... It's a great witnessing opportunity. They come from all over the world. I asked, I said, so are these privileged people? And there were several men in the group we were talking. He said, yeah. These are, these are pretty privileged kids that come from other countries. I said, what, did, you know, what are their families thinking you know, about that? Jay, Jay said, well, well, the one girl, she showed me all her gods. She's, she's really proud of it. She's got it on her wall, all, all her gods. And uh, I said, wow. I said, that's, that's pretty I said, that don't even make sense. I mean, you know, gods are going to share a wall, you know? <laughs> It can only be really one God if you think about it. I mean, they're not going to share deity, you know. Now, there is one in three persons. But he said, well, he said, this girl, she thinks she has been reincarnated from a tree. (laughs) So I said, I said, what kind of tree was it, Jay? His dad popped up and said, a hickory nut. So anyway, I just wanted to jump off there. I just want you to realize, hey, there's some great ministry. I mean, the world's coming to us when, when we reach out. And there's people, they are looking for people, for homes to stay in, to help them, to house them, to get their feet underneath them. Uh, that's an amazing opportunity that I didn't realize was so available here. But all these people come to this country. We are rich Yet we don't know it or feel it like we should. We recently were given stimulus checks and t- child tax credits that run into the thousands of dollars. <laughs> Just boom, there you go. The average American may be planning a vacation, say to Florida, perhaps getting some cheap plane fare, rental car, relatively inexpensive housing, and some cheap amusement tickets. You know, we have things to do and do things that King Solomon did not have or the ability to do. Do you realize that? We live better than King Solomon. Now, speaking of King Solomon, he he not only wrote that there is a time to get and a time to lose, he also wrote in Ecclesiastes 3, 9, What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? 
I've seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. Luke 12, 13, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. He then goes to speak the parable of the rich man who brought forth plentifully, and we'll be going there in a, little, in a moment. But just to add some things, Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. You know, sometimes we talk about the blessings that we... We blame God sometimes or put this, this term of this is the blessings of God. We need to be careful of what really the true blessings are of God. 1 Timothy 6 1 says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that having believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren. But rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. Boy, listen to that. Teach and exhort that. If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud. Knoweth nothing but doting about questions and strives of words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And it says here, in having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Proverbs 37, verse 7. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Now, I hope that you are seeing that this message is very applicable to us and that prosperity can be considered actually a trouble 
that comes your way. Now I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We're going to go through a portion of Scripture and look at some of these things, but you know, we ought to be pretty concerned about prosperity. We ought to be thinking about that. Uh, we ought to be thinking, <laughs> if we're praying for that, um, that might not be such a good prayer. You know, I've often thought about, you know, just to ask the Lord to give me what He knows is good for me and nothing, nothing more, you know, whatever that is, however little that is, however big that might be. Now let's start reading in verse 13 of Luke chapter 12. Luke 12, 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Boy, this is, this is the statement that brought up, I'm sure, not the answer this fellow was looking for. <laughs> Seemed like a simple petition that could come with a simple answer. Jesus just... He needs to divide it. You know, that's the right thing to do. But it kind of reminds me of when siblings are playing together. <laughs> and then one takes something out of the hands of the other. And then comes the fireworks. You know, every time we get together, there's those, there's times. It's funny. Then comes the summons of the authority to judge over the matter. We then judge accordingly. The gavel hits the table and the judge demands order in the court. Be quiet now, settle down. You know how it goes. Whose toy is this, proclaims the judge. It is Timmy's toys. toy. Case dismissed, Timmy keeps the toy. Oh, wait a minute. The toy is neither Timmy's or Johnny's. Then who had the possession first? Timmy did. Well, then Johnny, give back the toy to Timmy. But judge, Johnny says, I would like to put Timmy on the witness stand. Motion sustained, and Timmy is sworn to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Johnny tells the judge that Timmy was not playing with it when he went to get it, that he just picked it up right before I got there. The judge turns to Timmy and asks, Is that true? Then Timmy begins to say that he had been playing with it and that he had just set it down to play with something else. So he was just getting ready to play with it again. And, uh, and then, the, then speaks the judge. Just answer the question. Were you playing with it when Johnny came over to get it, yes or no? Now, the judge already knows the answer. But no, but the judge slams the gavel into the table. Case to Smith, give the toy to Johnny. We have these court cases pretty much every day with the little children around the house. But in the case of this scripture, there's a grown individual appealing to the highest authority over a disagreement with his brother. What does Jesus say? Jesus did not come in the power of the law. The power of the law condemns everyone, for that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He's, in verse 14 he said, And he said unto him, Man who made thee, me a judge or divider over you. That's, a, that's an interesting statement. 
And Jesus has an interesting answer. You know, we might want to think, oh, you know, yeah, Jesus should be able to just say what should happen here. But he doesn't. He doesn't come in the power of the law. The power of the law condemns. Verse 15, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. He does not rule over their will, but rather he appeals to the heart. And as you begin to raise your children, you should begin to appeal to their, to their heart. You know, there's a better mode of resolution is what Jesus is saying. There's a better thing and an overruling thing than the law. That there is mercy and that there is grace. And it is out of a heart of mercy and grace that matters should be resolved. Now, this was not the only time Jesus had to make this kind of statement to the people. I mean, and these were adults. 1 Corinthians 6, one. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you, no, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because you go to law one with another. Why do you rather, why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, you do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Now Jesus states that there is right and wrong to be observed. He doesn't say the law isn't, you know, forget the law, because he, he just said, he said, you do wrong and you defraud, and that's your brethren. I mean, you do wrong, things that are just plain wrong, you know that. But there is something stronger than the law when it comes to judgment. Mercy and grace. The same mercy and grace that saved us from the penalty of it. I would say that if you combine the words of mercy and grace, if you could combine that into one word, I would choose the word forgiveness. It takes care of the past. And it allows you to move forward in the future for what you don't deserve. It takes care of the things that you probably deserve to have to you. And allows you to move forward in the things that you don't deserve moving forward. Forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 And be kind one to another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Jesus' appeal in this case is to the heart. And now he's going to expose the wrong heart of what boils down to covetousness in a parable. 
Verse 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself. Now this is the beginning of a bunch of personal pronouns from the rich man. I don't know how many times it says, you'll see it as we go along, himself, I, and my. One of the first no-nos of prosperity is you thinking that you did it, and it's yours to decide what to do with it. That's the world's thinking. Man, that is way the world's thinking. We must remember that we are stewards of what God gives us. We learned this morning, you know, everything is of God's. <laughs> then he says, saying, what shall I do? We do not see a petition from this man of God. You gave, what do you want me to do with this? There's no petition there. And then he says, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. This is his problem. A covetous mind never considers that he should give his excess away. He was already rich. Anyway, this is a rich man. And now he's richer and he's wanting to keep more of it. You know something It's easier? Have you ever noticed this? It's easier for someone with little to give something away than it is for somebody who has a lot to give it away. Being rich, though it does not have to be so, can be a snare in our service to God. We ought to, when, uh, I'm warning, I, I don't know why the Lord gave me this message. Maybe one of you is going to, God's really going to put something your way. Now, Joseph in Egypt stored for seven years, didn't he? Okay. And he was in the right. But the motive was to give it with the knowledge of supplying food in a known time of future need. But we know that this rich man was not storing to provide for the needs of others. Verse 18, and he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and goods. This is when possessions, you've probably heard this before, begin to possess you. They control you and what you do in life. There's a lot of people who are just caught up in life. I, I mean, Christians are just trying to get more and do more and they have their bucket list and the things they want to do. It is mine and it's for me. Let's look at the resulting thought paths. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. You know, the covetous heart begins an interesting conversation. A conversation of speaking to yourself. <laughs> it's kind of like playing a checkers game by yourself. The result is you always win. And look at the winning prize. Take thine ease, it says in verse 19, the bottom of verse 19. Eat, drink, and be merry. Be careful when you start talking to yourself <laughs> when some good things come your way. He's looking for an easier life. 
I'll tell you what, an easier life is not necessarily a good life. You, you look at God, God's always put some troubles in our life. That ought to scare us when things get too easy. That's not a place to be. That, there's good in, in struggle. And God, if you look at how he handled people, he, he definitely had them struggle. Things. We read some, you know, things. That's, uh, our life is not in about how many things we have. And security, you see here. You know, we have a tendency, if I can, I can store enough away, I've got security. I've got it taken care of. Man, that, you read your Bible, that's a trap. God says daily he provides. He, your dependence is upon him, and anything you have can go, go like that. It's a false security. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't think that that fruit would last all that long in those barns <laughs> that he's storing. You know, covetousness is a blinder to man, is, and we'll see that. In this next verse, verse 20, it says, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? You know why people don't trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? I like it. You need to read the statements in the bulletin there. It is because they are deceived into thinking they are better off in controlling their own life than to give it to an almighty loving God who came to give you the abundance of life here and into eternity. Somehow you're believing something very foolish. Verse 21, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. There's only one reason for you to have things is that you can be rich toward God and His purposes. Here it is. When you live for yourself, you lose all that at death, he say. Who's, who's it going to be then? It's done. You have wasted your life in a lie, a lie that sends the unbeliever to hell, and a lie that brings hardship and shame to the saved at the appearing of His Lord. Verse 22 and he said unto his disciples, therefore. Now, that's, that therefore is because, listen to, uh, because of all what I said here, listen to what I'm going to say. I say unto you, he's going to instruct us, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. And I think the most glorious time of God leading the children of Israel out through opening up a Red Sea, what did he give them? Simple food, manna. And he made their clothes last for 40 years. It's a life more than meat, a body more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? And if ye then, being a not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? 
Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You know, sometimes when we look at nature, we need to take a really close look at it. It is amazing. Look at some of the colors, you know, in flowers. and th- It's just incredibly amazing. And to give God the glory. He says, if then God so clothe the grass, <laughs> if he makes this that good, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We got it all. If you're sa- We've got it all. We can have anything we want as long as it's good for us and and others. God will give it. It's those things that we want for ourselves that are not good for us is the problem. Sell that ye have. Give alms. Provide yourself bags which wax not old. A treasure in the heavens that faileth not. Where no thief approacheth nor moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is... There will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves, like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him, it uses the word, immediately. We are to, we are to be looking for the Lord's coming so that when he comes, we're immediately ready to go. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. See, you know, prosperity and things and can get you taken away, away from looking toward the Lord. <laughs> and if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And, that, and this know. That if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. So you ought to be think twice about asking for prosperity, one, or when prosperity comes, of allowing it to take you in places away from your Lord. You know, I'll just give you a good example, some positive examples. I'm not going to say that this organization was, <laughs> and, and, and I'm not sure where it's going, but Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. Hey, Sunday is the big day <laughs> for eating. That's when all of us go and feed ourselves, right? The pool barn, which was in here. I'm not saying we did everything right. We probably did a lot wrong in it. But one thing, we did not work on Sunday. 
and we took off on Monday for our family. Now, that is not to say that we didn't get phone calls of people who are in emergency. <laughs> and I need this, and I need that, and I need blah, 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 blah. And, you know, not to say that we didn't help people at times during those. But we didn't do it for the money. We didn't do it for ourselves. It's just probably to get them off our back. <laughs> you know, many men and women of the Bible who handled trouble well sometimes met their demise when trouble came under the guise of prosperity. You say, who is that? Well, I'm going to give you a few. Genesis 9.18 And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah. And one of them was the whole earth overspread, and of them was the whole earth overspread. And Noah began to be an husbandman. You get into life, and, and, I, and I'll tell you, you look for that time where I can do the things I want to do. I'm, I'm going to have me my apple farm that I always wanted, or, you know, whatever you're going to do. It says, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine, and was drunken. And when he was uncovered within his tent, and Ham the father of Canaan saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brethren without. And Shem, Ham, and Japheth took a garment, laid it upon their shoulders, went in backward, covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine, and knew what his younger son had done unto him. Not a lot of details here. But I can tell you this, it wasn't good. Got his retirement job, got those grapes looking good, and drank him some wine. Genesis 13, 8, And Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. If thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left Abraham saying, Lot, you can choose it however you want. It could have been up and down as far as it's concerned. Because Abraham's heart, you know what his whole heart was? Of, of just having peace. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. Here comes prosperity my way. That it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. And you know the rest of the story. Son-in-laws died, a wife that turned to salt, incestuous relationships. This was a righteous man. Numbers 20, 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear now, you rebels! You know, pastors can get like that. All of a sudden, he becomes, he's something, he's raising himself up and really delivering the blow. 
you know. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? Moses lifted up his hand and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their beast also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Moses got lifted up to see he was something. You know, Moses was noticed, you know, he was a meek man. He was just, you look at all he had done all his life and in this one instance, that prosperity, that build up ruined him. And it came to pass after the year was expired in 2 Samuel 11, 1, when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Reba. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is it not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. She came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. He took that time of ease. I like more what Caleb said. Caleb's old. He says, give me that mountain. (laughs) He's going to battle to his end. You know, David took a little... A little time, a little rest, and a little relaxation. Feel good where you should have been over there. And what happens? He was prosperous. He could do what he wanted to do. He could have what he wanted to have. And people would do it. Prosperity, we best look at it and ask for it in the right way. It's for God's glory. And that's it. Now, there's times that are good. It's just how we, how we handle it. When God gives us some things, you know, like taking a vacation is a good thing. But you know what a vacation ought to do? Is encourage us to get back into the work when we get back. That's what vacations are really given for, for work. So when you come back, you're revived. But when vacations, when you get back, say... I want more vacations. That's probably not so good. You know, we ought to be thinking about, already thinking about, if God should prosper us, what would we want to do for him? Already have it in line. How, much, how many of us say, boy, if I had this, this is, this is, what, you know, this is what I want to do for the Lord. Or do we got our eyes on bigger and better things? <laughs> All right, with heads bowed and eyes closed, pianists come into play. <coughs> Prosperity, folks, are, it's a good thing. On the surface, it seems always, but we ought to be 
wary of it. And we always ought to look at what God's blessed us with, with what we can do with it for his honor, for his glory. Our bellies are only so big. I mean, we can only eat so much. We can only wear so much. We can only do so much. But a lot of times, that prosperity takes us away from doing the things that God would have us to do. I'm just going to put it to you plain. Don't be a sucker when prosperity comes your way. Be already thinking about it. We are to be, it says, looking, not to be worrying about these things of this life, but to be, have our eyes upon God, to be looking for Him to come again and to be ready when He comes. Not to be drawn away by the lust of our flesh, the lust of the world, pride of life and all those things. But if God should give you something, He wants to give you good things. But just hold that lightly. Be able to let it go, use it, be done, and let it do what God will have it do in your life. thou art calling do not pass me by amen thank you for your patience and listening I pray the Lord spoke to your heart in some, some way that only he can do only the Holy Spirit can do. You know, I kind of like the example of this fellow who came to the Lord and was asking the Lord, uh, you know, tell him, you know, to divide the inheritance with him. And the Lord didn't give the answer. He challenged the heart. You know, I can't tell you what to do circumstances but I can appeal to your heart where is your heart your answer is there and with the Lord let's pray father thank you for all who's come out this afternoon I pray you bless their lives and uh, just I, I do pray your wonderful blessings and and prosperity to come their way but not to their harm in any amount remove it far from them if it be hurtful to but Father, may our hearts be built up to receive something that can be given. And we live our lives just dependent on you every day. Try not to build our own security and our own things in our own way. But allow you to do it. And that we may give you all the glory for it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. <coughs>